0: Welcome to Opine Nation. I'm Lynn
1: and I'm Lehman.
0: And we're here to tackle life's tough and humorous topics. We're not experts, but we have experiences and opinions galore. Well, hello. I didn't laugh. You didn't. Pretty proud of myself.
1: You're staying serious.
0: Staying serious today. I'm it's a mood. Kind of a mood today.
1: Okay. Cuz I'm cuz I cuz cause I caused some chaos. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, oh, okay. that's not my mood. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but we did want to come in here and, and say to everybody that we are releasing a podcast that we didn't originally intend on releasing. That is correct. And we are not releasing a podcast that we originally intended on releasing.
1: That is also correct.
0: Yes, because last week you and I chatted. Yep. On the phone, like yes. we're doing now, yep. 50 miles apart.
1: That is correct.
0: And we challenged each other to get drunk mm. in our respective homes.
1: Yes, we did.
0: And that happened.
1: It did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and
0: one of us got more drunk than the other.
1: And I wonder if people are surprised who got more drunk.
0: <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question, actually, because I would say a fair amount of people assume that it's me.
2: Mm.
1: Okay.
0: Do you think more people think it's you? Um,
1: I don't know because, so here's the problem. I think some people are like, well, you know, Jason's... Close to 200 pounds. Lynn's walks around at 82 pounds. So she's a lightweight. <laughs> <Not true>. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> so I, I believe there's that misconception based on body types that they might assume that it's you.
0: Oh, yes, yeah, That's what I, I was thinking too. And you're drinking whiskey and I'm drinking wine. Yep. I feel like whiskey might have more like alcohol content oh it does (laughs) okay (laughs) i don't Uh, think i would handle like a glass of whiskey as well as i would handle a glass of wine uh
1: i think that's safe to say um
0: and certainly not glass number two
1: correct or and
0: then and then you continued you didn't stop it too (laughs) no
1: no so it, it ended up being
0: four In rapid succession. Rapid. Mm -hmm. You were not taking your time.
1: No, I was not. Mm -hmm. And typically when you drink whiskey, like the average pour of whiskey is two ounces. That is a normal pour. Yeah. My normal
0: pour, probably five. (laughs) (laughs) That's like my glass of wine. It's like six. You mean eight or (laughs) ten?
1: Yeah. So... Needless to say, I drank a glass before we started recording. I was almost done with glass number two when we started. Mm -hmm. And then by the time you decided- You were
0: good. That was like a good zone, though.
1: Yeah. I should have stopped.
0: Yeah. You were like funny and coherent. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That Um, was a good place. Yeah. And-
0: And then you just kept, you were like, you were like, Noel just poured me another glass. Well, it was New Year's Eve. Yeah. Got a party. <laughs> Got a party. And then glass four happened. It did. And I don't even know if 30 minutes passed. Probably not. Um... <laughs> okay. And, so yeah. Yeah. Because, because I'm a compassionate human yes. and full of humility and empathy, obviously, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> we decided collectively that we were not going to post that podcast.
1: Yeah so
0: and we didn't want to leave everybody hanging because yeah we have like a lot of people we have a lot of listeners now
1: yeah we do and
0: and so yeah. hi everyone thank Hello. you for listening yeah
1: we love it it's awesome we love it yeah um,
0: we love the engagement we love yep. learning who these people are we love talking to them yep. it's been great
1: yep so you know when when lynn's was a compassionate human being and made that suggestion and I, I do want to put this out there.
0: Um, you forgot full of humility.
1: Oh, humility. Yes. <laughs> full of humility. Um, I Totally kidding. I would have been the opposite. If it had been Linz that got lit up <laughs> and was slurring words and being incoherent, I would have tried my damnedest to talk you into posting it. Because, <laughs> hey, this is hilarious. <laughs> uh, it's not hilarious, though. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's it's always <laughs> funny when the shoe is on the other foot. Um, mm-hmm. So, so we came up with a good idea for this week.
0: Yes, because we have podcasted before. We have on another podcast that you host,
1: Carnivore and More,
0: which a lot of our listeners on Opine know yep. you from.
1: They do. Yep, we got some listeners coming over, which is awesome, and I appreciate that. So, yep. I threw out the suggestion. Um, It won't be a super long podcast. It goes about an hour. Um, Okay. But it's about your journey as a doula and like what you do as a doula. Mm, Cool. Yeah. I was like, that's cool. So instead instead of skipping a week, because we've had, you know, we've already had one this season and we had two last season. So I'm like, nope. You know, we've got a little bit of a library we can play with. Figured okay, yeah. we'll throw that up. So it's gonna be a little weird because people are gonna hear me do an intro for Carnivore and more.
0: <laughs> oh, right at the very beginning. Yeah. So
1: you get two intros this week. Two for the price of one. Uh <laughs> um, really a
0: good deal. Yeah,
1: it's great. So um <laughs> you'll you'll hear the Carnivore more. Um, but and it's more of an interview. So I'm not giving opinions or anything. I'm asking True, questions yeah. about you know, why you're doing this, how you got into it, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, it was the, it was the podcast. It was the first one we did just you and I, and I was like, oh yeah, you should be having your own podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> I do. I do have my own podcast with my friend, you. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: so it's, it's good. I like it. Um, but it, it's one that at the end of it, I was like, God damn it. We needed a, another hour to talk about this.
0: So. Oh, we could have gotten another hour easily. easily. I feel like we really scratched the surface on this. Yeah. It. yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: what I kind of like about that is any listeners out there, if you need to know more, reach out.
0: Totally. Um, so either one, are, yeah. either one or both.
1: I would say when it comes to doula, reach out to Linz.
0: Um, I can, yeah, yeah. You I can, might not know as no. much.
1: I can tell you how a baby's made and where, <laughs> and where it comes from in the birthing process, but that's it. <laughs> like, don't ask me other stuff. <laughs> so so that's what's going on this week. Um, cool. And I'm excited that we figured out a way to still put something out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just to refresh everybody's memory... Origin, originmain.com
0: Uh the best sweatpants ever
1: They're joggers. I looked at they're, the website. Oh, I'm sorry. They, they, are, are they are joggers. They're not
0: sweatpants. They're And they're the best.
1: Yeah. And I um, put them
0: on the other day and I was like, "Oh, hey."
1: Yeah. Well, I um, had to wash them. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> I know. See, my 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 Origin jeans, I don't wash them. I do it oh. I do it old school cowboy style where you don't Yeah, you, you do. Yeah, you just don't wash
0: them. Are they like 100% denim?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Like there's no spandex or anything nope. in there.
1: Nope. Cool. C- completely denim, and they're weaved in the basement of Origin in Farmington, Maine. Wow. Yeah. So
0: So it, our listeners get a discount.
1: They do. And, and this is why it's so important this month. So if you're going to buy clothing, jeans, boots, uh, knives, <laughs> Brazilian jiu-jitsu geese, um, you put in Lehman, L E Energy drink. Well, wait. There's two promos going on this month.
0: Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah.
1: So anything, the clothing, um, they call it durable goods, which they really are. Yep. You put in the coupon code, which is Lehman, L-E-E, M-A-N, 10, so one zero. That gets you 10% off your whole order. Cool. Now, if you go to, because uh, they break up the website, which is really helpful, there's the durable goods and then there's the supplements if you go into the supplement section where you can get uh protein powder energy drinks or uh supplements and there's a ton of them whether it's vitamin d krill oil uh help with your sleep testosterone all that stuff you still put in lemon 10 but you don't pay shipping either Oh, free shipping? Free shipping on the all the supplements, whether it's the that energy means, drinks. That's yep. incredible. Yep. Ships out of ships out of either Farmington or Wilton, Maine. It is it is the lower forty eight. I do have to stress that. Okay. So if you're gonna buy durable goods, Lehman ten, you get your ten percent off, you do have to pay for shipping. But if you're gonna go for the supplements, you get your ten percent off plus no shipping. Great deal. Great deal. So I just wanted to throw that out there this week because I don't want people to miss out on free shipping.
0: I've been really digging this new phrase. I'm going to try it out here. Okay. Let me know how it sounds. Right. Fantastici.
2: Fantastici.
0: <laughs> it's like fantastic, but, you know, Italian. Well, <laughs> I feel like this is one of those fantastici moments.
1: It's a fantastici moment, and my mother-in-law is 100% Italian, so I'm going to ask her about this word, and I will get All right, back, ask her about this to, word. Yeah, I'm going to ask – Ask and we'll talk about it on the podcast next week.
0: I can't wait because I'll tell you where my source is from.
1: Okay. That's going to be excellent. So. <laughs> all right.
0: Let <laughs> let me close it out. Yep. That's all for now with this longish introduction to our podcast. Yep. <laughs> uh, pre-recorded. We'd love to continue that conversation just like Lehman said. So you can either chat us up at LehmanandLens at gmail.com. Or on Instagram at Opine Nation, you can join us next week when we opine about another tough and humorous life topic.
1: Hello and welcome to Carnivore More. Uh, my name is Jason the Carnivore, and the in more of this episode, I don't think I can properly introduce her, so I'm going to have her introduce <laughs> herself.
0: I feel like you'd do a decent job. Maybe. Um, (laughs) My name is Lindsay, and um, I've actually been on here before, so I'm very happy that you've asked me to come back.
1: Excellent. So this episode, I want to start off by saying this is always somebody's first episode. Um, This podcast all started because I used to weigh close to 400 pounds, got sick of being overweight, sick and tired. So I dropped a bunch of weight. So I wanted to do this podcast to get the message out there of it's fun to be healthy, but it's also incredibly awesome to learn. Um, So one of the things that I've been going through lately is a lot of learning. Um, I'm sure, Lindsay-
0: Is this by choice?
1: Oh, it's not by choice. Yeah. Um, So we are in the middle of the, uh, the lockdown, I guess. Um, yeah, I
0: think I'm on, I think it's week six at my house. Week six. Yeah, I think it's day
1: 38. Uh, I, yeah. I haven't been counting. <laughs> I, I stopped after a week. Um, but when we talk about learning, being locked down gives you a lot of time to learn. So one of the things that I really got into was learning about what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got exposed to you through Meta Studios, and and you know, you talking to you and Chris about yoga. Um, but one of the things that I kind of started to kind of noticed is is when I looked at like your usernames online, you had mm-hmm. this title doula also. Yes. Um, I had no I had no clue whatsoever what a, a doula was, what a doula did who's a doula, all these different things. So I went down this incredible rabbit hole on Google. Okay. And three hours later, I think I had a little bit of an idea. Oh yeah, it was bad. Um, Between the YouTube videos, the articles, um, fact checking, because some of the stuff I was like, no, this isn't true. And it was true. Um, Mm -hmm. So I reached out to you and said, let's talk about you as a doula. Um, I've discovered a lot of amazing things,
0: but I've discovered a lot of frustrating things too.
2: Um,
0: sure. I'm deeply curious to know what you learned too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like I have questions for you now. Uh,
1: yeah. I uh, Well, I'll, I'll try to answer them the best I can, but um, I guess I guess we just start with like like the 101 of it all, um, Okay, you know, you are a doula. So, mm-hmm. so what, what is a doula or, or, or what do you do? Like,
0: who are you? It's so hard to explain in like one sentence. Um, doula to me means a person who serves in a very particular time in people's lives. So during the prenatal period, during the birth and during immediate postpartum. Uh, immediate postpartum can mean a couple different things for people. For me and my clients, it means they have access to me um, one I do one postpartum visit so we kind of I allow them an opportunity to um, process their birth experience and it's not me sharing my experience of their birth it's me listening to their experience of their birth. Um, And then they have me for six weeks of, of lactation support or beyond um, because I'm also, I volunteer with um, an organization and I provide free lactation support all the time. So um, if they join me in that realm, they can continue to receive lactation support well after that six, six week mark. Um, so every doula does that a little differently. I meet with clients um, two to three times prenatally, so that's an opportunity for them to ask a lot of questions, for them to feel like they're really being heard, and then during the birth process, um, cesarean or or spontaneous labor, um, I am there for the whole thing. So. It's not a nine-to-five job. I'm on call between week 36 and 42. Um, And that doesn't mean I stop my life, but it means that I have to be close by enough that I could stop my life and and meet them wherever they are choosing to birth. Okay. So
1: you get involved – it's so hard. Like from what I hear you offer
0: support. Um, but, and that can look a hundred different ways. Right.
1: Right. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is you also work with positions, like with birthing, um, like a lot of my, my reading kind of, kind of surprised me. Like, what do you mean positions? Like, Mm. To me, the birthing experience is the female lies on her back, and that's kind of it. Yeah. So so what are you doing with that?
0: Okay. So, and that's why those prenatal appointments are so important. Because in those prenatal appointments, I also teach prenatal yoga, and people get a lot of this information in those classes. Um, But partners aren't attending those classes. That's specifically for a pregnant person. Mm -hmm. So... I, I try to teach a lot of positions that help align the pelvis, get baby into a better position so that the labor can progress more smoothly. Because a lot of times um, what can happen is baby has a, has a malposition. And okay. so getting some movement in the body can help baby figure out a better way to come out. Okay. So labor maybe won't take as long, maybe won't be as painful, um, and maybe the birthing person won't feel like they just got run over by an army full of semis. Hmm.
1: So another another thing I was wondering. This, you... So
0: the positioning in, yeah. in labor specifically, um, there, there, it, a lot of it happens in early labor. So there's different stages of labor. Mm-hmm. A lot of it happens in, in early labor when the birthing person can still kind of like talk to you and they're still lucid and they're, they, they want to move. There's a lot of walking or pacing. They want to get into different positions. And then during a contraction, um, you might offer something like squatting using mm-hmm. gravity to help baby find a new position. You might do something like slow movement or circles to help baby get a little bit of that circular motion to find their way to kind of corkscrew down. Okay. Um, because there's a, when the, when the birthing person is lying on their back, their their sacrum and their tailbone is made to flange open. And when you're lying on your back, you can't allow that space to open up anymore. So it doesn't make sense. Other than it's easier for the doctors to receive baby. It doesn't make any sense for us to be birthing on our backs.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was, um,
0: <laughs>
1: like that. And you're that, like,
0: but why does everyone do it then? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at, like, if, if you go back in history uh, and you kind of go back in time, you go, oh, oh like, no, no, this this is, this is no joke. They did not lay on their backs. Like... Mm-hmm. Um you would you would find like you can find like paintings of women standing up
0: standing up yeah. on their side with one knee yeah. pulled in toward their chest, mm-hmm. yeah squatting.
1: so and, and I mean, there's so many different rabbit holes we could go down. Oh, yeah, but my question about that is what changed? like was it just it's easier for doctors? Mm-hmm. If, if the person's laying down, is that what it really comes down to?
0: Um, so our medical system is very, it's wonderful in many ways. Mm -hmm. I am absolutely um, privileged that we live in a, in a country where I know that the doctors are there to take care of me when something is going wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and in our hospital system, the OBs are trained for all the things that can go wrong. Right. Um, so there's a different model of care when you're looking at a pregnant person and there's a midwifery model of care and then there's an OB model of care and they're very different. Um, so specifically with OBs, it's it's easier. It's less liability for them to control the situation a little bit more. Right, right. And I, I I don't know the data on this, but I do wonder... By the time an OB actually is practicing and they're and they're in the labor and delivery room, how many of them have seen a unassisted physiological birth i, uh, I yeah I would be really curious to know the actual number on that
1: i w- I would suspect it's probably pretty low I think so um, huh see i'm l le- I'm learning again like that's yeah. something that I didn't even think about like does an OB actually know what that is or are they just, they've read a book about it and that's it.
0: Yeah. And, or maybe they watched a video or something in class. I mean, who knows they're trained surgeons and they, and they're there for a reason and thank God they are.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but there's also the less we get involved. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the better the outcome. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. um, and that goes that goes true with with a birthing person in, in a labor and delivery room.
1: What's that old saying? Let nature take its course. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and
0: that's not for everybody. There are plenty right. of situations that that require uh, medical assistance.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, the birth of my second child, um, we had to have. It, a planned intervention. Uh, mm-hmm. My son Judah was extremely high risk. Um, so incredibly thrilled that that happened. But my child before and my child after, I just kind of felt like I'm just standing there not doing anything. And mm-hmm. and that got me really thinking and, and going down this rabbit hole, learning about what you do. It also made me really angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, but I want to steer back to you. So why do you do what you do? Um, mm. You know, you. In, in my opinion, the service you provide, especially after the doctors I've dealt with, to me seems more valuable, but you're certainly not paid like a doctor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, in anything that I do. Um.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So, so why do you do what you do? Uh,
0: I, I think I mentioned this in the first podcast we did too. There are a few things that really fire me up. Mm -hmm. And one of them is when other people try to take power away from a person and their experience. And It happens with people with disabilities, which Mm -hmm. is why I teach yoga for people with disabilities um, and why I was a special ed teacher for so long. And then when I had my own birth experience, my OB tried to take away my power. and, And then I was enlightened to all of this, like, oh, I'm not the only one. There are so many other people out there who are, Having their power taken away and they don't even know it. Mm-hmm. So I don't i i i have to separate my experience from from my clients' experience. They right. might not feel like their doctors are taking away their power, and that's fine. But but I got started because my power was taken away. I'm a small framed person. Um, my bones are tiny. I'm petite, and I went into my, I think it might've been my 20 or 24 week appointment. I mean, I was nowhere near delivering a baby and my OB looked at me and she said, um, we might want to consider a cesarean. I mean, I wasn't even halfway through this pregnancy and she's already telling me that I need to start thinking about major abdominal surgery. Yeah. So I never went back. I went without care for several weeks. Um, I had already signed up for a birthing class. And when I first found out I was pregnant, I I actually had mentioned to my partner that I was thinking about having a home birth. Um, and he wasn't really, I mean, we hadn't really talked more about it. It was just something like every time I imagined me delivering this baby, I just felt myself in our tiny itty bitty apartment in DC. <laughs> um, and so after I went to this childbirth class, someone else in the room said, oh, I'm planning a home birth. And I said, how did you do that without like, do your parents, are your parents okay with this? Are your providers okay? And she looked at me and she was like, I didn't tell my parents. And I was like, oh, I don't know to tell my parents either. (laughs) Um, But I did, I, I have a hard time not sharing information. So I did. And I just said, I need you to trust me on this. I need you to trust that this is where I know that I will, will birth most successfully um, because the hospital scared me and the hospital scared me because my OB said to me way too early in a pregnancy that she thinks I need to consider a cesarean. And I felt like, I felt like my power was taken away, my huh. freedom of choice. So,
1: and, and in, in the small amount of time I've got to know you, uh, it's very clear that, you're about fighting for people that maybe can't fight for themselves um
0: yeah and and maybe don't even know that they needed to until after yeah. the fact
1: right so you went down the path and became a doula because you you felt somebody was trying to take your power away mm-hmm. so
0: and that that birthing world when you're pregnant and 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 birthing and early postpartum it's vulnerable yeah. it's raw yeah, And we don't, in a collective, we don't know much about it. And so we give our trust and we give, we give that power over. Mm-hmm. Tell me what to do. Right. You know, because that's not, it's not something we see in our lives every day. Or even once a year. How yeah. many births had you seen before you were with your wife? Uh, well, <laughs> I
1: uh, with my wife, that was the second time. Um, okay. My first, you know, so for me, like the my first child, mm-hmm. I was I was twenty three when he was born.
0: And how many births did you see?
1: Oh, none. None. I mean, you know, I you see what you see in the movies. Yeah. Um,
0: which is not the way it really goes down usually.
1: Oh, not at all. Um, the the things I saw, no. <laughs> um, so so. When it comes to this process, and, and you first get involved with, I, g- I guess do you call them a client or what do you call them? Because to me, client doesn't seem like the right word.
0: Mm. When you think of a better word, let me know. Okay. <laughs> I do call them clients. Right. Be, I say I say client because there is a there is a boundary there. I'm mm-hmm. I'm hired service. Um. <laughs> I haven't been so good with the boundaries though, because most of my clients end up seeing me. It's a small town where I live right. and we end up seeing each other and we end up hanging out in similar circles and, um, and or they were yoga students before they got pregnant and, or they're yoga students after. So um, the lines get kind of blurry. Okay. But I do call them clients right now. Um, did, what was your question? I'm sorry. So,
1: no, no, it's, it's fine. I, 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 I think. The wrong answer. <laughs> no, no, this, this, this happens with you and I all the time. I mean, we talked at the coffee shop for almost what, three hours. <laughs> oh my God, I know. <laughs> like, um, so day one, somebody comes to you. Yes. Says,
0: okay. Hey, do you want to know the process, how it works? I do. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So typically it's an email. Okay um, hey, I'm curious about hiring a doula. Great. Let's schedule a less than an hour conversation where I'm interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing me. Okay. We have to be a good fit.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and I give them, I give them at that meeting my contract. So all of the things that I offer and my prices, and then I leave the ball in their court. I follow up a couple of days later. I say thank you so much for meeting me. You know, let me know when you've decided. Um, I, I think most people end up interviewing a couple of doulas,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is smart. It's smart. They should, um, because you want someone who you completely trust. You want someone who. Um, who you feel friendly with. Um, And then once they hire me, we schedule a a first visit. And if they have a partner with them, or if they have someone else who's going to be a supportive role for them, I ask that that person attend all of the meetings with, with us. So that means that we meet after hours or early in the morning or on the weekends or whatever works for both of our schedules and um, that's a 90 minute appointment. We do that twice okay um, and now because of this pandemic and all of my services are being offered virtually, instead of two prenatal appointments I offer three prenatal appointments each 90 minutes to two hours. okay so those are the meetings where I really get to know the birthing person, their preferences, their partner. There's a lot of that first appointment is me kind of making sure that the partner knows that I'm not there to replace them, that I'm there to support the the relationship of the two of them and this journey that they're going through together. But I might be the only person there who's ever seen a birth <laughs> or experienced a birth if, if it's their first time. So um, I can normalize some things um, and, and partners, partners need a break. You know, they need a break sometimes um, and, I, and I can do that for them too. So we do a lot of talking about birth preferences. I have handouts and packets. Um, I have them go through like a wish list of what they want their birth experience to be like. I if they have not taken a childbirth ed class, um, I will do that for them and kind of walk through like the stages of labor, what that can look like, sound like, feel like um, for both people. So what what that person, what the birthing person is experiencing and then what the partner might be noticing. And then they also know that they have access to me anytime leading up to the next appointment during like regular business hours, like nine to nine.
1: <laughs> okay. Nine to nine.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. The, the second appointment is um, it's a lot of preparation for postpartum.
2: Okay.
0: It's a lot of what is this going to look like when baby's actually here? both of you like I want to know the nitty-gritty and I want them to think about it Um, especially I think first time folks that's really important because I know they've heard the stories everything changes but you don't know until you're in it how much everything really changes Um, I also try to talk to them about I do a little exercise and I ask them some really deep and personal questions for them to reflect on. And they don't have to give me the answers. These are things that the two of them can discuss together with or without me. But it's things like, how do you handle stress? How do you handle stress and then not sleeping? How do you treat yourself when you're not sleeping and you're stressed out and you're learning a million new things every single day? How do you treat your partner? When they're learning a million new things every day, and they're stressed out, and they're not sleeping—yeah, things like that—because <laughs> the dynamic changes, the way you mm-hmm. interact with one another changes. Uh, I know you know that you have kids at the house.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. um. So, so let me ask you. It, it's it's uh, this is the thing that I've really been kind of hyper focusing on with learning about your. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a profession. Uh, You're a professional. So um, you talk about the partner, you know, Mm -hmm. so me as a partner. So
0: I use um, gender neutral language because I do have, I do have people who don't identify as she, her, who are birthing. Yep, And I do have plenty of um, same sex partners as well. Oh yeah, yeah no. So no, so no worries. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. Um, just to make uh, yeah. not to make it confusing, but
1: oh yeah, no. It, uh, as my grandfather always said, "To each their own." Yes, yeah. that's, that's kind of taken me through life. So when it comes to the partner, so mm-hmm. me is the partner, the the male. Um, I, I felt through the process that it was kind of like, yeah, you're you're just there to hold your wife's hand, like hold her hand and tell her, her everything's okay. And when I sit yeah. back and, and, and look at everything and think about you know, what my wife, Noelle, went through with these births and everything, I don't think holding, just holding her hand and saying, hey, it's going to be okay is enough. I don't think it's fine. Um, both of Noelle's birth were cesarean, the first one. We, we, we didn't have a choice. It was just simple as that. Second one, we weren't given a choice. It was just kind of forced on her. Um, So what do you do to get the partner more engaged with the whole process?
0: I try to start that in our appointments. Um, But I did – I had a client last year whose partner was, like, really hands-off during the whole thing. Really – like, he liked me. We got along great, and he was there for every meeting. But really just – kind of felt like this was her thing okay. (laughs) Um, until we were in the birthing room Mm. and then I was able to nudge him and really, and then a lot of that is like us physically shifting around one another in this small area is like me stepping back and like kind of encouraging him forward and, and gently showing him the way and being like, you can do this. Like go rub her back. Right. And I teach some comfort strategies. So, or encouraging him to encourage her to get into a different position, encouraging him to talk to her. There's um, a hormone called oxytocin Mm -hmm. called the love hormone. We talk about it a lot with breastfeeding because that's the, the breastfeeding person and the baby bonding with one another, right? You're just like washed over with love. But the same thing that got baby in is going to get baby out. So like I didn't make that baby with this person. In this case, he did. And so for them to lock eyes with one another, for him to have hand to any body part contact with the birthing person, for him to be stroking her back or holding onto her hips or offering counter pressure in a different area, that's, that's really important. Um, and I do have partners where I've had to like, say that, like, you, you know, you do this, you take over, I need Mm -hmm. a break or however it needs to happen. Um, as it is, it's, it's very exhausting for the people who aren't birthing too. Um, there's a lot of, there's some physical demands. So, um, one of the comfort techniques I teach is a double hip squeeze. So if the person is, Kind of in a hands and knees position, um, whether they're on the floor or on the on the if they're laboring at home and they're like over the countertop or on the couch or whatever, access to the back of their hips and being able to push into their hips on either side mm-hmm. um, causes it to close in the back but open in the front, the pelvis, and so allowing baby to have more room. Yeah, and you do that during a contraction. It can be. Really, um, it helps ease the pain, especially if the person is having a lot of back pain. Yeah. So there's okay. things like that um, that I can that I help encourage. I okay. also, because in a hospital birth, there are a lot of people in and out of the room mm-hmm. the whole time, and they're constantly offering things. And the nurses are wonderful, and they do a great job of of wanting to keep everyone. Um, as comfortable as possible. But a lot of the things that they're offering are also um, interventions for labor. Um, And so that can start with something like, would you like us to induce you? Would you like us to sweep your membranes? Would you like Pitocin? Now, would you like an epidural? Do you want anything for your nausea? Like, do you want some Tylenol? And If you take a step back from from what the nurses are offering, you can ask them and you can ask the doctor with everything, we have a choice in this. Mm -hmm. And I try to teach um, the birthing person and the partner a very simple acronym. And they can start asking these questions like in their prenatal appointments with their doctor. Um, What are the benefits to me? So, Mm So the acronym is BRAIN. What are the benefits? What are the risks? What are the alternatives? Uh, what does the, the person's intuition say? So, what does that that family, what does their gut say about this? And then, can they do nothing? Can they ask for more time? Because they're not going to be offering things as an option if this is a life or death situation, right? It's right. going to be like this is happening,
2: yeah, yep,
0: for a good reason, yep. Um, but if they're offering, Ask those questions, and and that so that gives some of that like this is a partnership ownership in it. I think at the begin like you know sooner than the birthing room.
2: Okay, Okay.
0: getting them involved sooner than the birthing room is really empowering. I think, and they I think uh, the not the partner can learn a lot.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and then I think that sets them up for more success postpartum. Defining a role for the person who isn't the primary caregiver feels really good to know that they're valued um, and to know that, that their role is just as important as nourishing baby all the time. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah and being no. really clear and specific with what that role is. Yeah. Okay.
1: Now I I know with everything you do there's a lot of confidentiality and I would never ask you to give names or anything like that, but I've been dying to ask. Has there been one time where you're just like, "Wow, this person's an ass. They need to <laughs> like just just get out of the room. Let me take over. Uh, everything will be fine. Like just just go. Have, have like
0: because no no? No, actually, okay. no okay no okay all right. So so you um, you've worked
1: with some good people then. Okay.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> reluctant (laughs) okay young yep confused yep um in disbelief (laughs) yeah (laughs) all of these things and they just needed me to say it in a different way
2: okay and so
0: so much of my job jason is like something that i don't think can be trained right it's that intuitiveness it's knowing how to read the audience to read the room, to figure out what's going on, and to respond appropriately.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: That's so good to know. So that's <laughs> a lot of what I do. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. I just, I, I i think as, I think most people, you always just want to hear that story of like, that jerk. I wish uh, I had but, that
2: story for you. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, it sounds no, like I you're know. pretty lucky though. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's a good, I'm glad to hear like, no, everybody's good. Instead of that one jerk you had to kick out. Um,
0: (laughs) Usually I will say there, I did have a, uh, one of the partners um, from my births last year. Um, He was like really reluctant upfront. And then during the birth, um, this client ended up with a, she scheduled a cesarean. Mm -hmm. um, And so we were both in the room with her and, he wasn't quite sure what to do, so I really had him, like, step up next to her, touch her head while I was holding her hand. Both of us were talking to her. Um, and then postpartum, he, like, backed off again. And I, what what I think I was seeing and what I talked to them both about was really this, like, you two need to figure out how to tell each other what you want and need at this point. So I didn't, I wasn't like, you got to get your shit together. If it had been my relationship, I would have, but (laughs) luckily I didn't have to have that conversation with my partner, but for them, it was more like, you need to tell him that he's doing a good job. And then I looked at him and I was like, you need to tell her she's doing a good job. (laughs) And then I, I would try in creative ways. Um, and this can happen too. Yeah. The person who birthed doesn't want to relinquish any control to the partner. And so then the partner's standing there going, but what do I do? Yeah. And so then they start retreating even more and saying, well, I guess I don't need to be here. It goes both ways.
1: It does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but I think, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you, you kind of step back. I mean, I I've been in the situation where I'm like, well, she's the mom, you know, yeah. maybe she knows better than me. And you just kind of shut your mouth. Um,
0: well, and then then as a mom, sometimes yeah. I'm like, I've got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, let me handle this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's There's been a few times where I'm like, ah, just toughen up. And my wife's like, no, yeah. <laughs> Go give him a hug. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have a loaded question for you. And I, okay. think you, I think I've already figured out the answer, but I have a sense that you're passionate about this. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to ask this.
0: So you're just opening with <laughs> can of worms.
1: Oh, yeah. So okay. you work inside a particular system. Yes. The, it, when we talk about medical, it's a system. hmm it's a machine. Uh, yeah and the biggest thing about systems is systems always break or they always fail mm-hmm. just it's just the nature of a system mm-hmm. when it comes to giving birth how is the system in your opinion broken
0: mm-hmm. i think it starts with the way that we're conditioned as yeah. kids mm-hmm. it's it's the surrendering of anything you know intuitively about your body and what it needs and letting someone else tell you what they think it needs. And that starts at a young age. Yep. Oh, well, you gotta listen to the doctor, you know? Oh, you gotta take, take the doctor told you you gotta take that medicine or whatever. Um, so we're programmed that then by the time we are pregnant, Which is something we've never done before, and every pregnancy is different. So even if you have done it fourteen other times, it's still a new pregnancy. Right. Um, There's, I think, there's this this giving over, this like, tell me what to do. You, this is your profession, you know. Um, So I think the brokenness starts. I also think that um, in, within the system, it's money, mm-hmm. it's money. Um, I know when a hospital posts what a patient can expect to pay for a, la- for a birth in the hospital, the numbers are as if it were um, uh, completely unmedicated. So no Tylenol, no nothing, because every time they offer you something and you, you accept it, they scan your wrist, they scan the thing that they're giving you, and then it tacks onto your bill. Yeah. Um, it's, they're literally reading barcodes.
1: Yeah, yeah. yep.
0: Um, so the numbers that people are seeing aren't the actual number of what, it's not the number they're paying for their hospital bill, for their, for their birth. Um, it, it can be much higher than the number they're seeing. Um, and so it, it behooves the hospitals, it behooves the nurses, it behooves the doctors to continually offer all of these options that they can charge for. And they're not seeing it that way. It's not the doctors seeing it that way. It's the system that they're working in
2: mm-hmm.
0: that, that has set it up to be that way. Um, oh shoot, what was I, I had something else that I wanted to say about how it's broken. Um.
1: um Liability. I mean, that's, you spoke that's about this at the beginning. Thing. Yeah. that The liability of childbirth.
0: Right. So the, the OBs want as much control in that room as possible because the more control they have, the, the less liability there is. Right. Um, and so what happens is what I see a lot of now is everything will be going fine. The person will be going to their prenatal appointments. Everything will be going fine. And then around week 38 or week 39, the doctor says, you know, hey, have you considered induction? Or, hey, your baby's measuring a little bit big. Maybe we should go ahead and schedule you for an induction. They, there's a tactic that they use to get mm-hmm. the person to agree to an induction. Yep. Um, because then the birth is on the doctor's timeline. Right. For, when, for when they want it to happen. Um, they don't want to have births at, f- at 4 a.m. that started at 4 p.m.
1: Right, yeah.
0: You know, they want births between nine and five. Yep. Monday through Friday, not a holiday and yep. not a weekend. And birth is unpredictable. <laughs> yeah. Birth is unpredictable, it's messy. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful and messy and unpredictable and they don't, they don't want to deal with that in the hospital. Um, and and they're incredibly hard workers there, and I I I actually feel sorry. I feel sad for them. I feel like they're missing out on on what birth can be and what it can look like when there aren't complications, and when the system doesn't get in the way of that. Um, you know, the numbers the numbers show um, that the more interventions people have, the more cesarean births we have yeah I think cesareans are amazing for when they need to happen Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, I mean how incredible that we can we can offer this in a different fashion and and still end up with with a healthy mom and a healthy baby um but I think because of the inductions and then and then the pitocin and then the epidural and then the laboring person has been there for like 30 hours and now they're on a ticking time clock and everyone's looking at them like, you got to get this baby out and they're tired. They're tired. The hospital won't let them eat. They're exhausted. Yeah. Um, and then, and then they, what they call it is progress, um, failure to progress. Right. So, so then they, they offer a cesarean. And by that point, the person's like, yes, please. <laughs> right. I would. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep.
0: I would. Totally. So um, it's it starts at the beginning. It starts with the way we're training OBs. Yeah. The midwifery model of care looks different um, than an OB model of care. And I'll just give you a quick comparison. Midwifery model of care, they see their patients for like an hour, maybe 90 minutes for their prenatal appointments. Mm-hmm. They see them usually about the same schedule, like the number of times that an OB would see them, and then they're there with them. At least some there are some practices that have like multiple midwives, and you get whoever is on call. But a lot of times, it's just one or two midwives, and and you get you get um, both of them usually, and so or you get the one. Um, so you have the same person you've been working with the whole time at your birth. You also have a person who was trained to believe that our bodies were designed to birth babies Mm -hmm. because they were. Um, And that's amazing (laughs) because now you have a person who can sit back, provide support and encouragement and comfort and let you know that you're doing a great job. And yes, this effing sucks, but like you're doing it. And then they're there to make sure that everything ends smoothly, right? They're right there once baby's crowning, baby's on their way out. They're there to make sure baby's healthy, that there's no hemorrhaging. They a lot of times can offer stitches. And then they're with that same patient for six weeks postpartum, not one visit six weeks after birth, but for six whole weeks, they see that patient and that baby over and over and over again. So there's more continuous care. And I think there's a a a lot fewer problems postpartum in terms of health and mental health with a with a midwifery model of care.
1: Okay. Okay. So
0: So uh, as a doula, like my preferred um it's preferable to work with midwives.
2: Right. Right.
0: I feel like I have a lot more education and biting my tongue to do when I'm working with a person who has an OB Mm -hmm. Um, because it's not my place. It's not my birth. It's not my experience. I give them their options. I remind them constantly that they have choices. Right. But I'm not there to make the argument for them, for whatever they envision their birth to look like. Okay. I am there to give them resources. And to encourage them to ask those hard questions. Because the doctors, if you ask the question in the right way, they have to give you the answer. Right. And right. You, you, but we also have to be discerning members. So, like if their answer is bullshit or if we need to push a little further.
1: Okay. So at the end of the day, you're just, you giving whether you're working with a doctor or you're working with a midwife with, with a midwife, you guys, you have more of a, like a symbiotic relationship. You, you yeah, tend to be more um, on the same page.
0: We tend to be more on the same page and I, I don't do any medical anything. Right. Um, I don't do anything from the neck down. I don't, I mean, except comfort measures, but I'm not doing anything medically. Right. I right. don't do vaginal exams or anything like that. Um, and I'm not a medical profesh- professional, but I, I definitely am there for emotional support. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and the midwives, they do a lot of that as well. Um, but I, I say that and it's really general and broad because I've heard of some pretty terrible experiences with midwives too. Birth trauma can happen no matter right. oh, yeah. who the provider is. Right. It's the person's experience and how they're um integrating that. Okay. Does that make sense?
1: No, it, it makes perfect sense. I mean it's um I guess that was the biggest thing that that I learned taking this path and educating myself was there, there's all this comfort and and all these things that are offered, but I, I feel like you're providing a service where you're helping those people be informed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the biggest thing that I, I that I've learned so far is you make it that it's okay to ask questions. Yeah, and it's okay to fight for what is in the best interest of the mother and child. And you,
0: yeah, and your baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of it requires some trust in your intuition. Right going back to what you knew as a kid mm-hmm. and knowing what you needed like i have a three-year-old yep he doesn't ever overeat because he hasn't been trained yet that he needs to clear his plate the way yeah. i was yeah right yep. or or to not eat if he's hungry he yep. has access to food when he when he feels like he wants food and if he doesn't feel like eating food he's not forced to eat food and so i'm hoping in that small way i'm helping keep his intuition alive
1: yeah yeah that's that's great because i mean so
0: a lot of that is what i do with with clients who is reminding yeah. them to tap into what they know inside yeah what listen, their gut says
1: yeah listen to your gut it's funny yeah. that you talk about about that intuition because i mean i remember being a kid and i'm gonna date myself a bit if you didn't clear your plate it was well you know there's hungry people in africa and it's like like oh oh they'd kill for this meal and it's like so you're right listen to your body like that and i mean that's not just i mean that's just good advice period um
0: but and you can say that Yeah. You can say, listen to your body. But what I try to do is, I try to teach them ways to do that. Yeah. So we do a lot of those practices. I ask people questions like, oh, I don't think I have it close by. I ask them questions about, like, what does it feel like when you go see your OB? Yeah. What does it feel like in your body before you get there? Yep. What does your blood pressure read when you're at the appointment? What does your blood pressure read if you're taking it at home?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like looking at that stuff, are you clenching your jaw or your fists or your pelvic floor or your big toe when you get out of that appointment? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is there some leftover tension there and what could that possibly be saying to you?
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Because yeah. a lot of times we know and we don't like the answer.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that's... <laughs> changing
0: your provider, <laughs> yeah. which is always an option, is scary because it sounds like a lot of work.
1: It does sound like a lot of work, but sometimes it's necessary. I mean, my last, my last general practitioner recommended to me that I needed uh, to have a healthy life. I needed to go vegetarian. Um,
0: <laughs> like she, I'm on the opposite train. Too. Yeah,
1: I was like, eh. <laughs> and and, and, and I, I spoke up for myself, and and I was like, I need a doctor that so. I, I feel you. I, I think.
0: I, well, that takes I re- courage.
1: Yeah. Well. and, it and here's
0: the question the yeah,
1: white coat. It does. I mean, the funniest thing that I find out of life now, um, I fully believe I've always grown up as a fighter. Um, and when it comes to the medical profession, you give up fighting. You mm-hmm. really do. You're like, oh, he, he or she knows the best. They went to school, blah, 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 blah and then they'll do they'll do just stupid stuff instead of saying hey lose weight now nah, let's give you blood pressure medication right. oh you're you're depressed don't go exercise take a pill mm-hmm. oh you want a natural childbirth that's nah, easier if we just gut you like a fish like it's in, and we give up our mm-hmm. ability to fight because that's what we've been taught mm-hmm. um so i i appreciate that you're and, and for people that don't know you, um, I wouldn't think of you as somebody that's super aggressive and like, no. <laughs> but um...
0: I'm not. And I make it very clear to my clients that yeah. I am not there to fight their battles for them. Right. right. I don't, I oftentimes I, I make the labor and delivery nerd I am um, because we're working really close with one another.
2: Right.
0: Um, just in the same very small area on yeah. a person. Um, but I, again, am not a medical provider and it's not my birth experience. So it's not my place to speak up for anything. Right. I can say if something is offered and neither one of my clients have said anything and I'm like, Oh, we talked about this in our prenatal appointments. I can say to them, yeah. Hey, do you guys remember that, that appointment we had? And we talked about how you didn't want to do the new bane or whatever it is. Um, did you want to mention that now? Um, or I can say, I can say to a doctor or a nurse, like if they're offering something, um, can you tell us, can you tell us more about that? Can you, can you, you know, I can say that in a very non-combative way. Okay. Um, I feel comfortable doing that. I, I have asked for position changes before. Um, some OBs are willing to do that. Um, and some OBs look at me with fire in their eyes and they're like, know your place. Keep your mouth shut. I want her on her back. Yeah. So
1: I gotcha. I gotcha.
0: Yeah. So, so um,
1: time is going to run out in just a little bit. Okay. Now I remember you saying at the beginning, you had a question for me.
0: Oh shoot. I do have a question for you. All right. Okay. So if I can do a better job, I want to know what partners want to know before going into the birthing room (laughs) or maybe anything, maybe let me just open that up. What do partners want to know other than things I've mentioned?
1: I think partners want to know the reality um, of what's coming. Okay. Um, I think pop culture does a God awful job in teaching you what to expect. Um, Actually, yesterday, I was watching the episode of The Office where Jim and Pam are having their baby. Yes. And I got to tell you, when, when it was time for my first child, I thought all my friends and family were going to be there in the waiting room waiting for me, having me come out, give updates. I was expecting the nurses to kick me out at different points. And, and, and to be quite honest, I was expecting to pass out, too, yeah. because that's what TV and the movies taught me. Yeah, if you had told me what to expect, I, I think the biggest shock was what happens after the birth was over. Mm-hmm. Um, because what the female body goes through when it's a natural childbirth, or a cesarean,
0: I, either one.
1: Yeah, but the um, the natural one really caught me off guard. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I, I, I I think for a first time. Parent doesn't matter, you know, whoever the reality of what is coming. Um, my experience through the medical is establishment
0: emotionally yes. for, for your partner,
1: yeah, okay, and, and got none of that like it was none of it, like, yeah, like I had no clue. Um, and then when it came to, to second birth, because Judah was such a high risk. It was, we're going to take everything out of your hands. You just come here and hold your wife's hand. Um, And they did an amazing job. The doctors, the nurses, everybody was phenomenal. The third birth, uh, my daughter, Sage, um, was at a hospital in New Jersey. And they did not let Noelle hold Sage for an hour after her birth. That was just their policy at the hospital. They take the baby away and then bring the baby back. I didn't know that I could. How long ago was fi- this? Uh, it's the age is seven. I you would have thought it was 1955.
0: That's recent. Oh yeah. my gosh! They yeah. they,
1: took, they took her away and they put her in that little room where I could see her behind the glass,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then they brought her back. Whereas when Judah was born, yes, it was a cesarean, but he immediately went to my wife's chest mm-hmm. for that oxytocin. So. I, I think I think that's the biggest thing is giving somebody a realistic picture of, hey, this is what's going to happen now. This is what's going to happen during and this is what's going to happen after. And it right. kind of sounds like listening to you talk, that's kind of what you're doing anyway. Yeah. Um, and I,
0: I, can't, I have to be careful with being so prescriptive because right. everybody's such, so, it's so individual.
2: Right. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um,
0: but I yeah. can say like, this can happen. Yeah. It might look like this or that or that. Yeah. Here's what I, I've seen.
1: Yeah. Yep. And it's what you see on TV is not real.
0: Right. Ignore <laughs> all of that. I do, I do try to have clients like watch some birth videos.
1: Right. Right.
0: So that they know that like it doesn't happen. Oh, do you remember that show? It was a movie with Robin Williams, Jack. Yeah. Yep. She's in labor in the first scene and it's yep. Halloween. And her water, like, water's gushing everywhere. Yeah. Like, yep. that's what I thought of birth. Yep. Before actually seeing birth. Exactly. Was exactly. the way Robin Williams as Jack came into this world. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. So pop culture could uh, do do a little bit of a service and kind of re-educate all of us. Yes. Um, so But that
0: would be boring because it's slow.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. But
1: reality is kind of a good thing. (laughs) Um, so if somebody wants to reach out to you, whether it's you as a doula yoga instructor, um, you know, I'm sure there's 23 other things that you do. Um, what is the? I
0: try to keep it to the. Well, now I I offer I offer Reiki as part of my yoga and doula services, but
1: yeah, I, I know, and I, yes, I, I'm suspecting I I'm suspecting in a few years there's going to be a few more offerings. Um, I
0: mean, listen, I try like there might be a PhD in my future. I don't know. There you go. Yeah, I could. I, could I just want everyone to call me Dr. Lindsay. <laughs> That would be spectacular.
1: <laughs> um, so how do people get in contact with you? What, what, are, what are the avenues to get to you? Um,
0: email's great. My email's okay. yogadoulalindsay okay. at and gmail.com. I,
1: and when, when this podcast release, I'll actually put that in the title so that people can know that that's a great way to reach out to you. Um, what about the okay. good old...
0: Instagram? great. Yep. Yep, Instagram's great. Um, radical yoga.
1: Birth. Okay. Is that right? I think it is.
0: Radical but, yoga birth. No underscores. No okay. spaces. Just no one nothing.
1: word. Okay. One word. Um. Got anything on Facebook?
0: I'm on Facebook. I don't always use Facebook. I have my Instagram feed directly into my Facebook. Okay.
1: Like everybody. But yeah.
0: I I don't have it on my phone. Yeah. Okay. So I don't go on there very often. So really email. Okay. Um. Email and Instagram is the best probably. And my, and my website is, is lindsaymcdonough.com. Oh, absolutely. So excellent. they can learn more about, more about the, the specific services I offer um, for yoga or doula.
1: Perfect. Okay. Well, that's great to know. Um, so, Lindsay, I, I appreciate you coming. Uh, Thank you so it. much, Jason.
0: I know. want to ask you 100 more questions.
1: Oh, I, I, I suspect um, we can have a follow-up part two
0: uh, to this. Yeah. Um, we'll I think i how to use some equipment.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> as
0: I sc- stroke my chin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so I want to thank you again. Um, thank you. So, so this is Carnivore and More. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Carnivore and More. Uh, I occasionally use Facebook. Not, not that much. It's just Carnivore.More. Or if you want to shoot us a Gmail, it's carnivore.more at gmail.com. So, everybody, uh, try and stay safe and be healthy out there and be sane and realize the zombies aren't coming. They just (laughs) aren't. You know? Maybe we
0: are the zombies.
1: Could be. Could be. Um, Have you seen people go after toilet paper? Kind of like a horde of zombies.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) So, with all that said, again, Lindsay. Thank you very much. And thank you, thank you um, A Shared Universe, for offering this service, allowing everybody to connect and still be responsible in social distance. Yes. Yeah. Are we done? <laughs> <laughs>